Did anybody overeat? No. I did a little bit. Not quite that much, but I yeah. did a little bit. We didn't have a big group I, here. It was just just a couple of us. Yeah. So I, I've never really gotten the like overeating thing at Thanksgiving. Yeah. I mean I I guess I get a normal plate, but I don't <laughs> go back for thirds and fourths. I did have two pieces of pie because I couldn't decide. Yeah. But I didn't walk away going like, oh, man, I was so, I'm, I'm super full. It was just like, oh, yeah, was, that was probably a little more pie than I should eat. You know what it is? Really, honestly, I kind of realized that that day is that I, we don't usually cook big meals unless we have a lot of people here. And then on that particular day, Taylor and my friend Ramey, who came and spent the, the weekend with us, they were cooking quite a lot of different things. They were just experimenting because it was like kind of time off. And so all day long, everybody kept nibbling, nibbling, nibbling. It was time to eat. It was like, oh, everybody was full already. Because we kept trying new experimental ways of cooking and how to cook and what to cook. And it was just because we had the day off to just play around. And so by the end of you know, dinner time, everybody was full. I saw some sort of meme floating around. And it, I forget the exact wording, but it was to the effect of, if you love your family, do not experiment on Thanksgiving. Oh, that's kind of funny. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> well, Taylor's been experimenting with. She's not militant about it, but she's been experimenting with vegan and vegan and what do you call it? No meat, no dairy. Vegan and what is the other thing? I don't know what it is. No meat, no dairy. Uh, it's, it's just that's maybe, vegan. Maybe that's straight up yeah. vegan, one hundred percent. I thought there was two different things. Anyway, she's been experimenting a lot with that, so she's been experimenting with all these different dishes. She's not militant about it. Like I'll be cooking something. Like I'll be maybe like I'll. Go get something. She's like, oh, that smells good. What is that? I go, it's chicken, and she'll take a bite. So she's not crazy, crazy mm-hmm. about it. She's just trying to really do it for dietary reasons. So she's been experimenting with a lot of dishes, and on that day, they made a couple of cool things out of vegetables and whatever. It was, it was cool. It was fun to experiment. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, no pressure. My family wasn't like if my dad and my mom were here. Of course, we would have had to make like a proper turkey, which we didn't make. So no pressure on that day. It was fun to experiment. My mom made cool. barbecue ribs. We tend to not eat turkey on my mom's side of the family for Thanksgiving. We, we've we had spaghetti in the past and um, pork chops in the past, and this year it was barbecue ribs. And then we went to Kelly's family, and we had a traditional turkey smoked, and it was really good. I ate I ate plenty at both places, but I don't think I overate. The only, the only regret I had was I got this piece of like Reese's peanut butter cup pie, thing and i i thought i was getting myself a small little piece and it was like the most rich dense thing and i and i couldn't finish it and i actually felt awful from eating the piece <laughs> that i had it was just too much too much sugar but i had some decent self-control i could have done better but i had some decent self-control <laughs> on thanksgiving decent is is yeah i think pretty good yeah yeah it's like the thing I have, the weird thing I have with Thanksgiving is that, like, we got together as a family, my brother and sister and parents and extended kind of people past that. We got together for a lunch, and we ate at, like, one thirty or 2 o'clock or something, which I don't really eat breakfast, usually. So, at that point in the day, I'm, like, about to eat my arm. I'm super hungry. And then... We had all this food, and I ate a normal-sized plate and, like, stopped when I was comfortable. But then everybody else ate a whole bunch and didn't want dinner. And so then at, like, five thirty, six o'clock, <laughs> I'm like, I'm ready for dinner, <laughs> and nobody wants to get food. 
So I ended up ordering pizza. Oh my goodness! <laughs> me and some of the <laughs> some of the kids, because because I mean we were at my sister's house, so all the food kind of you know we didn't come home with a bunch of leftovers, and that was the first time in a long time we've gone uh, you know figured had to figure out what was for dinner on Thanksgiving because it was like well we don't have any other Thanksgiving food it's all gone it went home with everybody else <laughs> so I ordered pizza it's kind of weird but it worked out. You could never go wrong with pizza. Pies home and just had that for dinner. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, have you guys done anything like productive this week, or has it been kind of my whole week's been loose? I I know people love their their holidays and their days off, but the holidays just throw me off so much because I am very yeah. I have a formula, and when something those are mentioned in that formula, kind of throws the the whole week off but i did have a fairly normal week we we picked a project to shoot on tuesday that was really quick we were actually done by like one thirty-two o'clock filming it which was the oval picture frame cool. and it was also a really quick video to edit so like i had it done the edit done by the next day at noon so i could then get all the you know quote-unquote marketing done for it and then thursday i didn't do any work so i i planned I picked the perfect project so I could enjoy the holiday. What did I do? I worked on this. <clears throat> sorry, I worked on this knife which I happen to have right here. See this Ooh. knife handle that I made? I made this knife a couple of, couple months ago during one of the classes, but the handle I hadn't finished, and I just made this. It's a stack leather handle, so I'm working on this video. I'll probably finish this today, oh. and it'll be out by the time this podcast airs. And that was uh, that was a fun one. I. So Saturday was my dad's 80th birthday celebration. His, his birthday's actually tomorrow. <clears throat> and we went over to see my dad at my, my brother-in-law owns a bar in Long Island, which happens to be within a quarter of a mile of, of Chris Zepp's shop, Make Everything Chris Zepp. So uh, Derek from Malden happened to be over there for the weekend hanging out with Chris and Paul Pinto. So I went over there. They They actually came to the restaurant that my brother-in-law owns later in the day because the party kind of winded down when they showed up. We had dinner, and then I ended up hanging out with those guys. And I brought this knife with me to show a couple people. And I ended up finishing most of it in Chris's shop while we were all hanging out. So that was fun. I was able to socialize, <clears throat> relax, see my dad, see some friends, and get some work done, which was my That's plan. Cool. So I brought it with me <laughs> in the event that we ended up in Chris's shop. I was able to work on it on his belt grinder. And so I did that. And, uh Yeah. Got home last night, hung out with Taylor for all day, just being lazy. And then all of a sudden, I realized how much snow was outside. We were at Taylor's studio, which is about 20 miles from here. And I said, I got to get to the house to make sure the chickens are all right and stuff. And so it was crazy driving in the snow like that. I hadn't done that in a long time. It's very nerve-wracking, like blizzard snow. And right now, there's about mm. a foot of snow outside everywhere. It's, it's pretty. In a couple of days, it'll look like somebody dumped garbage all over the whole area but (laughs) (laughs) we haven't uh we had just like some flurries this morning but nothing you know nothing significant at all but yeah i my week was kind of weird because uh josh and anthony both traveled out of town for thanksgiving so you know i'm used to kind of working on a normal schedule because they're here and i want to respect their time and not you know, make things all like out of whack schedule wise. Anyway, with them gone, it was like kind of 
kind of nice and quiet to have that little break to myself down here. But at the same time, I didn't really want to start anything new. We were kind of in between projects, you know, about to start something new. And so I've been working on some coding, which I hadn't done in a long time. And, um, and I pulled out some leather and decided to make myself a wallet. Oh, um, cool. I saw you working on something I with no camera. You said something like that. Yeah. I just decided to like spend one of the afternoons just in the shop by myself without a camera, without any plan. And I just, I took my old wallet and used it as kind of a template and basically just remade it with leather. And I, it's not great. It's not even good, but I learned a whole lot of stuff from just trying to mimic something in a new material that I had never done before. I mean, I, there's all sorts of things I learned about stitching that I need to do differently. Yeah, and you need to use a different thread, you know, need to figure out a way to clean up the ends of this thing so that it's not raw. Um, like where the opening is and it, it was a lot of fun and I mean it works it's just not you know it's not what the quality that I want it to be but I know if I sat down and made it again it would be a lot better and so that was really cool that was kind of gratifying to spend a day just making a thing for me um, kind of exploring the material more than anything else and then you know the rest of the week kids were off for school so trying to spend a lot of time with them when I could and it rained like a ton, so we were stuck in the house or stuck, you know, couldn't really go outside and do some stuff that I wanted to do, so. Oh, update. Um, I was talking about the hammer last time, the Alex Steele hammer that I was trying to get. Couldn't yeah. get. <clears throat> my, <laughs> apparently I kind of called him out, and I really did not mean to. That was not my intention <laughs> in calling him out. I knew he was going to call the second episode. he heard it. <laughs> I was I was disappointed in like I didn't mean to sound that negative. I was happy for him that he sold all of them. I was just disappointed that I didn't get one. But he's put out in, uh, putting out a new run of hammers. I think it's today, or maybe it was yeah. I think it's today this afternoon. So um, I'm going to try to get one of those. But also, I asked for some suggestions of other people who make hammers that I you know in the community that I could support. And I, I mean, I'm going to need more than one hammer, so I'm still going to get one, Alex. But then I also asked people for suggestions, and I didn't even realize that Zach from ZH Fab makes hammers. He was in the middle of making a run of hammers. I don't oh, know how yeah. I didn't know that. That's all he does. Turns now. out I wasn't even following him on Instagram, so I wouldn't have known that. And I don't know why I wasn't following him on Instagram. Anyway, talk to him real quick. He he was about done with the run, but he was going to put one in for me. So he's going to make a hammer for me, which is really cool. So I'll have that one. And I'm still going to get one from Alec. Um, so anyway. Anyway, if Alec, if you're listening, was not trying to call you out, man. <laughs> I was just disappointed but excited for you that it's going so well, selling the hammers and everything. So that's hammer update, December second, twenty nineteen. <laughs> we like to call that hammer time. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Cool. Well, uh, what else? What else we got? Jimmy, you had an idea. I'm just thinking, I was just uh, checking an email, but uh, you reminded me, I have, I go, Brett, I call, Brett and I call them my celebrity hammers. I have one from Paul Pinto, one from Ethan Hardy, uh, one from Wahlberg. Uh, There's a few I'm sure I'm not remembering. I have my Alex Steele hammer, which I had fortunate, I was fortunate enough to help make it with him. And I have a few other hammers, but Paul Pinto makes a really beautiful hammer. And Ethan Hardy, who actually works with with Alec, who made a lot of Alex hammers, I think this round, I think he he enlisted Ethan to make those. I have a specific Ethan yeah. Hardy hammer, and I have about three or four more. I have a Kurgle hammer. I have a hammer from 
from Essential Craftsman. I don't know if you guys watch him, Scott. He's an amazing YouTube oh, channel. Yeah. I have one of his hammers. So I got about I got about six celebrity hammers. That's what I call them. I keep them in a special spot in the shop. And the Alec hammer gets used most often. It's always I have like we just built Steve from Moonshine Metalworks was here. He spent two weeks with me this summer, and he built a blacksmith rack that just has everything I need. So you could kind of pull it towards a, an anvil. It's on wheels. And there's a spot just for the Alex Steel hammer. And every time I look mm. around, I mm. notice it's not there. Brett's like, don't worry, it's right over here. Because I'm always afraid it's going to like <laughs> fall behind something and I won't see it for a year. So we made a special spot for it. Back to hammers in just a second. I want to say a big thanks to Steve, actually. And I mentioned this in the after show last week, but I, I forgot to do it in the normal show. A couple weeks ago, you and I were talking about heat treating and like why you dip a piece of metal in water while you're grinding on it. You know, like what's the point of that? And does it, what does that do to the metal and stuff like that? And after we talked about it, he sent me a video walking through their blacksmith shop and explained that whole thing. And it was super helpful and it made so yeah. much sense. And it was he's just on his teacher. phone real quick. Um, anyway, big thanks to him. And I think he's going to end up making a more, uh, proper video about that information because it was really good stuff. Good Steve, help me with this hammer. I mean, I'm oh, sorry, hammer. We're talking about hammers. This this big knife that I was talking about that I did the stacked leather handle on. I might have talked about it just before yeah. we started. But this, um, Steve walked me through making this hammer and heat treating this during one of the classes this summer. So I'm finally getting to finish that video. I have one of the Brent Bailey hammers and it's probably the most oh, beautiful yeah. tool I have in the shop. So that's another Brent, recommendation. Brent Bailey makes the most incredible hammers. I don't have yeah, one though, but yeah. It's it's just it's absolutely gorgeous. The um, some people might gasp when I say this, but the handle was a little bit too long for my liking, so I chopped part of the <gasps> handle off. I know, right? But I made it. But the the head of it is still just it's a it's a piece of art, and um, it's something I like having in the shop. It was it was a little yeah. gift, a little treat to myself Actually, about a year ago. The the first blacks like the well I, the really the first real proper blacksmithing instruction I took from somebody was from Brent Bailey in Montana a few years ago. And the hammer that I made in that class, I, I, I like to say I made it, but Brent really made it. He made it with me. He was like, <laughs> it was like in the movie ghost, like when he was on the pottery wheel, that was Brent and me. I was, Brent was behind me the whole entire time, basically doing it with me. He like literally had his hands on my hands telling me what to do. So I like to say I made it, but in fact, Brent made it. Mm -hmm. I was just the, the puppet that helped to make mm. it so it's a beautiful hammer it, and but anything he makes is just unbelievable he does the most beautiful finishing it his stuff instantly looks like a classic like as soon as he's done with it it instantly looks like something that's been around for a hundred years he just has a beautiful touch and he's a he's an incredible artist brent bailey awesome yep brent bailey i'll put him and uh, zh fab in the links in the show notes just so everybody can find them See who we're talking about. Jimmy, you had kind of a topic idea Oh, yeah. Today. I was thinking, I was wanting to know, how do you guys tinker? How do you tinker? We're starting an ad campaign, and it's going to be, how do you tinker? <laughs> just kidding. Jimmy pointing his finger at the camera. How do you tinker? So we were just talking, and, and it came up because, I think it's K&S. I'm not sure this isn't an ad placement, but they sell the metal tubes you see at a hardware store. And as a kid, especially when I got into prototyping in the toy business. I would go to those metal racks all the time at the local hardware store. There was like a true value near me. It was like a mom pop shop that was really good spot. I knew the owners and his son, and I would always go in there and 
get whatever I needed. And then as time went on, I, I moved, I moved to the city and then the place in the city didn't carry the, that rack. And there was one little spot I used to go to on Long Island. Whenever I was in Long Island, I'd go anyway, long story short, I missed those racks. You can't find them anywhere. They don't, they don't show up anywhere anymore. So I went online and I found the place and I ended up purchasing two of those racks and they have all different size profiles and brass and, and, and aluminum and some steel hollow tubes, solid rods, square, round, rectangle. And those are the type of things, and I talked about it on my Instagram story a few times, those are the type of things that we need around our shop that help us tinker. Because there's so many times when you want to just kind of do a proof of concept or you want to just get to the point of something to see if it's even worthy. And all of a sudden you realize you need a, a square tube. And then you go down this rabbit hole of trying to make a square tube or trying to find it in something else or trying to cut it out of a toy. And then all of a sudden, it's really just to find like a one inch square tube. And you realize you've wasted half the night just trying to find that one piece of square tube. Whereas if you just went to this rack, for instance, now it sounds like I'm doing a sales pitch, but I'm not doing that. But these are the type of things that help you tinker. And that's why I often keep little bits and bobs of old toys, old mechanisms, the, that thing you pick up at the at the flea market, you go, what is this? I don't know what it is. And you do an Instagram story, guess what it is? You never get the right answer, but you buy it anyway for two bucks. And then you just throw it under your workbench because there's going to be that day when you're tinkering in the middle of the night and you need, and you go, oh, I know the very, the most perfect thing is going to fit this imaginary puzzle in my head. And you go to get that stupid thing you bought for a dollar at the garage sale. But I'm bringing this up. What do you guys do to tinker? Like, what is it that you keep around? And I'm just really more of a rhetorical question to everybody around, everybody that's listening. What do you do to tinker? Hashtag. How do you tinker? Hashtag. <laughs> hashtag. Hashtag. I mean, one of the things that I do, that it's kind of like that. Um, I think I'm looking at those boxes now. It's K&S Precision Metals is the company. I'm looking at those, and I really want to get all of them to have in the shop. That'd be awesome. But one of the things I do is when I go... Anytime I go to buy hardware, if it's, you know, nuts, bolts, screws, whatever, I buy at least twice as many as I need, at least. A lot of times if I need a couple of things, something, I'll buy a box instead. And that's honestly to kind of build up my own Ace Hardware in the shop. I mean, when you go down that aisle, that hardware aisle at Ace Hardware, I want to buy that aisle and have them just bring it to the shop install it and then every month come fill up anything that's empty that would be so amazing and i'm sure like companies maybe fastenal does that i don't know yeah i try to kiss i try to kiss the butt of fastenal at fabtech a couple years ago and i was like hey you know like if you want to you know like you know like set up like a wall you know like like a small wall you know like in a shop like you know you know like you know they're like you want a hardware store i'm like no like you know like i'm a youtuber you know like you know like you know they're like all right give your card just leave your card over there it's like it's nothing's happening here uh, <laughs> no, make my own wall. I, that would be amazing, though. But you know, since I don't have the means to have a big fastenal type installation, I just try to build up. Um, like above my miter saw, I have a bunch of hardware containers, and I've tried to keep those full and empty. Right, so I try to keep the ones that have hardware in them stocked. But then I try to keep several other of those boxes empty so that as I find new pieces of hardware that I want to have on hand, I have a place to put them so they're organized and I can always find them. But I always overbuy. Obviously, not everybody has the capacity to be able to overbuy. But even if you overbuy by like a couple of bolts and you throw them in a drawer, 
Like yeah. that's the type of thing. Right. Like how many times when you're tinkering or you're trying to put together something, and I use tinkering as a very general term. You might be working on a video or building a project and you need that one bolt and you got to get in your car and go buy it. But if you have that, that drawer yeah. of random bolts, which I have a few of, but you know what I did a couple of months back? I maybe almost six, eight months ago, I went because I was frustrated as I usually get. I went on to McMaster car and I bought two inch, three inch, four inch, three eighths bolts, two inch, four inch, three eight, three inch, half inch thick bolts, one inch, two inch, three inch, quarter 20 bolts. I bought a, a couple of hundred of each or maybe about a hundred of each because they sell them in bags of like 10 and 20 and 30. So I bought a few bags of each size all the way down to like 256 is almost like an eighth of an inch size bolt, nut and bolt, nut and bolt. So I bought nut and bolts from 256 all the way up to half inch. And I bought, like I said, several hundred of each. And I have old cabinets, filing drawers that I've turned into tool cabinets. And I keep them in there. So now everybody in the shop knows, oh, we need a bolt. Maybe a 516th bolt will be, oh, you know, that's too big. Let me go to the quarter inch. And you go back and you put it back in stock and you take another one. So it's my own little fastenal system. I just went straight to McMaster Car and I just bought, I must have spent about $300 worth of, three or $400 on nuts and bolts. Just so I'm covered hmm. from pretty much mostly everything I need to do. Another thing I've done kind of like that, you can go on eBay and buy a kind of the same kind of thing, but you can buy a set. So you can usually find a metal box that fits on a shelf that has a latch and a little handle. And it's, you know, from this size to this size, 50 of each a bolt and Wa- uh, washers and nuts that come with them. Oh, so yeah. you have the full set of stuff you need. And you can buy those for, it depends on what it is. But in the past, I've bought boxes of those for like machine screws and then uh, some metric, small metric stuff. And it gets you, you know, probably a bunch of stuff you won't ever use, but it gets you a decent amount you an of array. matching. Yeah, like, it gives you an array of stuff that you can always go to. And when I was doing a lot of the R2D2 stuff, there's a mixture of standard and metric and so i don't have a lot of metric stuff around but having that container gave me a small resource to go and like find that one or two little weird thing that i needed what is it called harbor freight sells a whole wall of o-rings set screws nuts bolts washers so everyone they're like great little kits it's a little plastic kit with maybe 15 or 20 compartments of various sizes nuts and bolts I always go through that to look for something new to have. I think it's a, it's a great thing to keep around for that exact reason where you're like, I need this one set screw. That'll be the perfect thing I need for this whirly gig. And you can go to that box and find it. Otherwise, you go on a wild goose chase looking to try and steal it out of something in the shop. Mm-hmm. You know, And like I said, those are the moments where you find yourself on a tangent, on a tangent, on a tangent. Because then all of a sudden you find something from high school that you made and you're like, oh, look at this. I should do a video about this again. And then all of a sudden it's like an hour and a half later from the original reason you started digging through the boxes. And so it helps you stay focused. This is going to be crazy. It helps you stay focused to have a pile of junk around you. Make that post. Uh, huh. Okay. <laughs> that could be our new uh, our new Patreon poster. David, your shop is very organized and kind of minimal. How do you handle stuff like that? Having having a back stock of things to I use don't. when they come up. I just don't. At all. <clears throat> um, plywood. I have good sheets of, of plywood because it's such a pain in the butt to haul plywood back and forth to my house. And so I will, I will buy extra then. 
Um, but it's, I don't have a lot of extra wood. I, I don't have a whole thing of nuts and bolts. And here's the thing is I, I feel like the outsider here, but I don't tinker anymore. And it's not a, it's not a conscious thing. It's, it's just, I realize I don't, I don't go out in the shop and play. I usually have a plan and I execute that plan. If I have to learn something, I'll, I'll figure it out the night before or I'll learn on, on camera. And so now I'm kind of questioning myself, like, is, is, do I need to tinker more? Is this why I don't always feel as creative as I should? Is because I'm I think, not tinkering? I think tinkering is like one of the most important things you could do in a shop, honestly, because it gives you the opportunity to be loose and free. You don't have to fit into any mold, any shape, any hole, no deadlines. That's why late at night when everyone's gone, I'm usually like, Brett always comes in. He's like, oh, wow, you were busy last night. Because those are the times when I'm so free and easy mentally. I, I don't have to worry about hitting a deadline. I'm not trying to please a client. I'm just trying to make something interesting and different that's new to me, exciting. And I just play around and you start playing. Like you grab that thing you bought at the hardware store or on the discount rack or at a garage sale and you don't know what it is. And you're like, mm, what can I turn this into? And you start playing with it. And that's how you invent stuff. That's how you, that's how you, you come up with new products. And I don't, I'm not into patenting stuff anymore. I used to patent stuff in the toy business. If you, my my real name is James DeResta. So if you Google James DeResta and Google patents. What? That's my name. My legal name. Don't steal my identity. <laughs> if you Google James DeResta and Google patents, you'll find a lot of the patents that I did in the toy business in the 90s. But I'm not into patenting stuff anymore. But I still am into trying to invent new stuff. So I think one of the things I don't, uh, for me, I don't spend a lot of time just like walking through the shop and like looking for something to do and tinkering from that perspective. But David, what you were talking about not having those things available to you, when I like to have the backstock of stuff so that when I have an idea that is not as clear cut as, you know, like, uh, I don't even know how to say this. So if I'm making a cabinet, it's all plywood, right? You you know ahead of time you need plywood and screws and edge banding and glue and the basic stuff. I went to make that Mandalorian rifle, so I'm faking a gun based on a picture and based on a toy. And to make that happen, it wasn't as clear cut as like needing these basic materials. It was along the way. Well, I'm starting with this pipe that I happen to have. I don't know where the pipe came from, but I just have this pipe. And then from that diameter, I'm building out all the other pieces. And I don't think I could have pulled that off or wanted would have wanted to pull that off if I would have had to go find everything I needed to make that happen at a store. So it was like, you know, pull this pipe out of the junk and then look for other stuff that works with that diameter and start to build scraps around that diameter to get the shapes that I want. You know what I mean? And so it's not that I do what Jimmy does where I'm like, look, collect mechanisms and try to figure out how to rebuild those mechanisms or reuse them. It's just having like a, I don't know, like a stock of kind of raw material Mm -hmm. that's, that's just random that might happen to end up fitting. And, you know, obviously there's a line there where you don't want to like become a hoarder and just keep everything just in case you use it one of these days. But, um, no, no, you don't want to do that. Jimmy. But like, yeah, I, I keep a, um, I have two trash cans in the shop. One is, well, two trash cans that are not trash cans. I have two trash cans that are trash cans as well, but two of them are for wood. And one of them is for long, skinny pieces so any any extra dowels or you know like a one inch off cut from the end of a a two by or something i'll keep it there for a little while in case 
it's just a it's like a uniform size piece that I can end up grabbing if I need a strip so I don't have to rip off a big board. So I have that type of stuff. And then I have another trash can that is all the offcuts. So any any kind of wood offcut goes in there. And once that fills up to the top, then I take it out and take it to the burn pile and use it for firewood and stuff. But in the meantime, anytime I need a small scrap for a jig, it comes out of that one container. So they're not stacked up all over the shop. It's not broken down by material type. It's just like I keep I have one pile. You know, it's in a can, but I have one pile for that. And I know when it gets to the top, that means I need to go burn some of it. But it gives me a place to always just grab stuff to kind of quickly make up a thing. You know, if I need a stop block for something or I need a something to put on the drill press to drill into, you know, under the piece I'm working on, I've always got that kind of. I do keep. I always keep scrap around it. Yeah. In the winter, unfortunately, we burn so much, so I never really have it readily available. We, everything goes right in the fire pit. We have like, well, a potbelly stove, but I, you got to keep scrap wood around. I think it's important, Dave. Yeah. I was just gonna say, like, I, I, I kind of treat plywood and tubing and and the screws and sandpaper. That's all consumable stuff. That's all stuff that I do have a, a stock of, and for some reason, a huge stockpile of acrylic. Um, but I think my mind just doesn't, I think I just work in a different way where I don't like, oh, it's Wednesday night. I got nothing to do. I'm going to head out into the shop and just start gluing things together. I never do that. I did that when I first got into woodworking, but I, I don't now. I think I tinker by sketching and I, by opening up books and looking at things and that's how I'm gathering ideas. And then I try to come up with a plan from the. I'm, 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 I know future me is going to be more like Bob because I see, because I, I plan more now. And when I'm not in the shop every day, I'm only in the shop a couple of days a week. And when I'm in there, there is like, there's a set, uh, a step by step sketch of what I'm going to do that day. And everything is, is sort of planned out. And that's, I, I, it just it's just weird that I don't tinker anymore and I used to all the time. That, well, it's interesting that you talk about sketching as tinkering because, I mean, it is. It's the same process. It's just on paper instead or on your iPad or whatever instead of, you mm-hmm. know, with random stuff that you have there. I, Jimmy's talked about tinker, uh, about sketching a lot in the past, but and I've heard you talk about it a little bit, but I'm curious with you, how far does a sketch go? Like, how far do you get or how how much are you trying to accomplish in a sketch for a new design or something before you take it into a more, yeah you know, stage two? Um, it, it goes so far, it, like, it might not even be that recognizable because I'm not that good of of sketching furniture or art or whatever I want. But I will, even though my sketch isn't going to be the final piece, it helps get the idea from the brain uh, to something physical. And I don't know why, but I seem to be a little bit more creative when I'm just like, there's a pencil or an iPad or it doesn't matter. Um, just it starts to flow once I get that pen to the paper. And then that sketch may not look anything like the final piece, but it helps me create the idea, which then I take into usually Fusion 360, or I know enough from my unrecognizable sketch to actually execute things. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I was just curious, because I 
I don't do a whole lot of sketching. Um, usually it's if I'm trying to figure out if I'm making a table and trying to come up with different ways to join the legs to the top. I'll sketch that joint several ways and just like, okay, well, what's wrong with this one? Like, mm-hmm. what, the load's going to go this way or whatever. And then I'll do another. But I don't sketch like an entire finished sketch of a piece of furniture or something very often. Because the general look of things I can kind of visualize, it's the specifics, how stuff lays on top of other stuff. That's what I need. Yeah. To like I watched a documentary in Gary Shandling a while back. And, you know, his notebooks are just full of ideas. And I'm sure like decades down the road, somebody's going to come across Jimmy DeResta's notebooks. And it's just going to be full of all these amazing ideas. And when people come across my notebooks, it's just going to be like, what the heck was he thinking? Like, this makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't have I don't have a shelf full of cool notebooks. I just have a, yeah. a box full of nonsense. But it makes like, sense to me. David Picciuto was a five-year-old his entire <laughs> Right, <life>. exactly. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, yeah. I want to put this out there just because maybe there's other people that relate to my side of it where they don't tinker and they need a plan and they don't aren't really good at drawing but maybe maybe we can they can relate to me in, in some sort of way yeah i think so i mean everybody has a different way to visualize or to kind of practice the thing that they're trying to get to um yeah you know, some people i think work completely in their head too some people and I have moments of this, but it's not like a strong suit where you can think through a project completely in your head and kind of expl- have an exploded view of how everything's going to fit together and how everything's going to work and like all the stuff that you need. There are some people who can do it all in their head, um, but I'm not usually that person. Are you familiar? Uh, you, you may have seen the ads on like Facebook and Instagram, but there's a um, it, it's masterclass.com where you'll see like Steve Martin teaching a comedy class or um, so I subscribed to that for a year and I think it was like a hundred dollars or whatever. And one of the um, um, master classes, I think the, who's like a producer um, Timberland maybe. And he has a great way of sketching music ideas. And I just thought this was brilliant, but he'll, uh, he'll have this idea for a song in his head. And instead of like grabbing a piano or a guitar or programming a drum beat, he just mouths that onto a track. Like he'll, he'll do the beatbox for the drums. He'll, you know, boom, 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 boom and for the bass. And then he, he'll do three or four tracks of that. And it's just vocals and it sounds, and maybe it sounds completely terrible. But then later he will go and he will play or he'll have musicians figure out what he was trying to do to figure out, to come up with these songs. And it was like a super quick way of getting this idea from his head out onto something physical to then reproduce later. It was just brilliant. And I was talking to this with Dan and he's like, I wonder if there's a way we could do this like in video or like, you know, like where we we put together a timeline of just like video sketches and I don't know, but just something to think about, a different way of getting your ideas out there. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if um, from the, the video thing you were just talking there, I wonder if there is an infrastructure built around that idea for um, storyboarding for like animated movies. Like they have to have a way to get across the idea of a sequence of movement through a flat storyboard. 
you know, so I wonder if there's a way that you guys could use some of the storyboarding techniques yeah. to get that same stuff built out for a video before you actually shoot anything. Right. Yeah. I feel like that would probably be a lot more useful in a narrative sense than it would be for like the type of stuff that we do, but I don't know. I always think I want a storyboard, but then I start thinking about it and then I, and I just start experimenting through the camera. It's just, it always seems just, for me, it's just quicker. Obviously, if I was going to shoot a $20 million movie, I couldn't just say, let's just fire up the cameras and experiment. <laughs> so therein lies the difference. Yeah, I think we all move pretty quickly and we have the, you know, uh, the luxury of stuff not needing to be absolutely perfect and cinematic and, you know, all that stuff. We can, we can figure it out as we go and, and it's usually not expensive to reshoot something. Uh, kind of unrelated, but the this new show, The Mandalorian, it's a Star Wars show that's on Disney Plus, and it's it's getting great reviews, and it's an excellent show, whether you like Star Wars or not. It's just really well shot and everything. And it, there are four episodes in. It's been going great. It's beautiful. Uh, it's well written and everything. And in this last episode, somebody found a frame where there's a boom mic hanging down <laughs> on the, top of the frame. <laughs> And so a bunch of people were just like, oh, you were so close to being perfect, you know, and then there's just yeah. like this one little shot. Wasn't there a coffee cup in Game of Thrones or something last year? Yeah. 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 That's funny. Kind of thing. I mean, in this case, I guess, I don't know how the coffee cups happened because it was like a big white cup on a black table. But this one was, you know, a dark mic hanging down in a dark room with a dark ceiling. Like, I wouldn't have ever noticed it, but some somebody saw it. So I guess it just happens when you're focused on the action and you're focused on the highlighted stuff in the frame, you know, that, that stuff. I think, um, isn't obvious. I, you know, maybe I consider every single video, uh, tinkering because the way to get good at something is to do something uh, a thousand times. Like, I don't know how many videos are on my channel, maybe 200, 250 or something. So at 250 videos, I think I'm pretty good at putting videos together now. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I like the way I edit. So now, so I don't get bored with the making videos or so I don't get bored with woodworking projects as I'm introducing other things and I'm trying to throw a wrench into that. So I'm, so not everything is so by the, by the book and, and my formula. So my, I think my form of tinkering is just throw a wrench in the, in the project and, and try something different. Yeah. I think mine's kind of like that. It's, Mine is to intentionally jump from skill to skill every time. Like, I try really hard not to do two of anything back to back because it keeps me, you know, I have to fully reset and, like, experiment on this next thing or, you know, it's it's not a carryover from the previous thing. And honestly, there's, like, some, I don't know, I see other people do that where they're like, I'm going to make four videos in a row that are all based around you know coffee tables or whatever and they're they're refining an idea right so they take something they make it and then they come up with a, a slightly different version and they and there's something really enticing about that that I don't ever ever do I rarely ever do anything twice much less back to back to back to back to improve on something um I think I would do badly at that and I don't think I would get the same result as those people do just because I'm I just do stuff differently but there's something to that, you know, um, where you, you pick something and you go down a rabbit hole really far, not just like peek your head in, which is kind of what I do. I'm just like, oh, look, there's, look, blacksmithing, blacksmithing. Ooh, neat. Ooh, look, leather. Ooh, you know, and just mm -hmm. move on to the next thing and don't really get deep in it. 
Well, I mean, that's you got to focus. If you really want to get good at anything, you got to you got to focus. And you know, I always use the example of a violin player. When people, my students would always be like, "Oh, I, I'm horrible at making books." I'm like, "You made one book in your life. What do you mean you're horrible at it? You made one, did one time. You think the violin player picked up the violin and played that perfect?" song you have to do it over and over and over and over get good at it same with a baseball player same with any same with anything you know it's it's what malcolm malcolm gladwell called the ten thousand hours that anything gets you to that point where you just seems it seems effortless and if that's what you want then that's what you go for if it's learning a bunch of different skills and being a butterfly that's what you want to learn that's what you go for so i think that's the important thing is like is that what you want because yeah yeah, I mean, I think all of us who do several different things will get some sort of a feedback at some point that's like, hey, why don't you do better at this? <clears throat> I get that anyway. You know, like, why aren't you improving at woodworking? I'm like, well, that's not really what I want. I mean, I, I'm more interested in learning how to learn mm-hmm. and getting, you know, getting a taste of a bunch of different things. And then if I if something really ticks a box and I'm really interested in it, I have the freedom to spend time there and to learn more about it. But I don't really have that. There's a cat. <laughs> That's my big great cat. I play her like an accordion. I give her a squeeze and she... <laughs> anyway, I don't really have that thing in me that says, like, I want to be really good at this one thing. You know, it's just... I love learning. I but I think that's important. It's important to figure that out for yourself, yeah. whether you want, you know, and it, obviously it can change over time or whatever. But I think staying true to what you're interested in tinkering about, learning about, diving deep with, rather than just, well, I should probably be really good at woodworking because I started woodworking. Not necessarily, you know. I, st- I, I, I love learning new things. That's like, that's, it's why I do all these different things and, and, and you know, playing with music and, and photography and videography and woodworking and metalworking and, and now racing. I love learning all these new things. There's something in the back of my head that's, and I just, I, I feel like I'm learning all these things for this. I don't know what the end result is going to be, but I'm working towards this end result. Yeah. And I know that's not real. The end result is right now. I'm learning all these things for right now, but it just feels like there is a there's an endpoint, and I'm going to have that like aha moment. This is the reason I learned photography and metalworking so I could do this one thing. But that one thing isn't there, but it just feels like I'm working towards something. Well, it may not be one thing, but it may be a. I mean, I've always thought about I want my shop and my skill set to be someday to a point to where. I can, any idea I have, I can go down and figure it out. Not that I necessarily know how to do it. Not Mm -hmm. that I have everything on hand to do it. But that I have the base skill set to just make absolutely anything I want. You know? And and that's not, like you're saying, that's not really a thing that's out there that I can, I'm going to get one day wake up and be like, oh, look, I made it. I can make anything I want now. Right, right. It's just like a, it's a pursuit. And that pursuit yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. For freedom, you're in pursuit of a freedom to be able to just free think and do whatever it is you feel like you want to do. And I, I don't think it's a place you'll ever really get, but it's a we're investing in that idea all the time, you know. And I think yeah, anytime, that reminds me of Jocko. That's why he 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 built up his factory so much. He said, "I want to be able yeah. to just free think and invent and be able to build up anything, yeah. prototype anything, basically." Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, we've had to restart our recording so many times, I don't have any idea how long we've been going. <laughs> you guys got anything else on this that you want to talk about or anything? Uh, we're at nine. We started at nine, so we're at like 50 minutes. Okay. Anything? Anything? Um, um, I, I think it's, uh, I just want to just say again, like, it's, it's so, I have not always been a maker. I didn't, I had Legos as a kid, but I didn't build things with Legos. I, I wasn't always constructing things out of cardboard as a kid. I didn't really get into making until my late thirties. And, um, you know, I don't have a pocket full of tools. My everyday carry is nothing. I don't tinker. And I just, I think there's going to be people out there who want to get into woodworking or metalworking and maybe feel intimidated because they see all these other people who've been doing it all their lives. And this is a, this is a late thing. This, I picked up woodworking in my late thirties and um, I just want the people to know that you can pick up anything at any time and maybe maybe we can relate on on some sort of level like that you know that that kind of reminds me of a point with that i often say is if you have an impulse if you have an impulse to experiment an impulse to play with even again to use your example dave to use to be to have the impulse to want to do woodwork even if you've been an it person your whole life and you don't think you have the way with all of the means follow that impulse because that could completely take your life in another direction. I mean, that's a big, that's a big impulse, but a small impulse to be like, Oh, what happens when I, this is something I've been thinking about and it's already been out there. But 25 years ago, I thought to myself, what if I put a thumb on a fork? I want to make a fork with a thumb on it. And now there are thumbs on forks. I Google, once Google came around, I started Googling thumbs on forks and people do make forks with like a little metal thumb, but I want to make a articulated opposable thumb. So that's a tinkering gig. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a fork that has an opposable thumb. I actually made one like 15 years ago, and I have the prototype sitting around, but I didn't have the skill set I have now. Like this was maybe 20 years ago I made it in my shop. Like I said it was really before Google. And then I remember one night I'm at my computer, and I'm like, hmm, fork with a thumb. I go, that's got to be out there now. So I Googled it, and there's lots of like die-cut images of forks with the imagery of a thumb, but I want to make one that has a mechanical thumb so you could pick up a meatball without having to stab it. That's my whole goal. So impulse, just to have impulse to just experiment. And if you have that impulse, just go for it. You don't know where it's going to lead. I mean, I might end up making an entire set of kitchenware that has opposable thumbs. Might not just be about the idea of a fork and like a little silly gimmick video. Could be about handy, handy kitchenware. There it is. Handy. Handy barbecue tools. You say just... Handy fire pickle. <laughs> oh, I just thought of it already again. So you, you saying having the impulse and just going for it is such great advice because I remember when I first got into woodworking and I didn't have a wall full of clamps and I got really creative on how to clamp things. And I... I got less creative once I learned how to clamp things, if that makes any sense. Once you see other people do something and then you get all these clamps, like, this is how you do it. And I remember thinking, like, I'm clamping this thing to my bench in a way that nobody's ever done before. And this is such a, this is, this is innovative. And you lose some of that innovation once you actually learn how to do things and you see other people doing it the right way. So go, 
when you get those impulses, just just do it, and you might come up with a, a brand new technique or a way of doing something because you don't have these walls already formed in your head. And this is something important, especially if this hasn't been your life to to tinker and come up with impulses and follow them through. I, I've said it before: keep it to yourself. Don't share it with anybody because you're going to get some negative feedback right away. Like. Oh, Fork with a thumb? What's the point of that? That's going to be the first thing somebody says to you. So if you have these crazy notions to tinker or whatever, just marinate on it alone for a couple of days before you start sharing it with like your friends or whatever. Or Unless you have somebody you're really comfortable sharing stuff with that might be another thinker or another inventor or somebody that has similar wants and needs to maybe pursue interesting artistic endeavors. But even around my art friends, I'll bring up something interesting that I think is in the like for that's a waste of time and then even though i still barrel through it puts a little stink on the idea and then the whole time you're working on it you're like oh billy doesn't think this is a good idea you know you hear him in the back of your head going this is silly why are you wasting your time so that's just a little bit of advice learn the hard way if you have something crazy just marinate on it alone for a couple days and then when you're making it then when your neighbor's gardening and spray painting his uh, you know gardening his his leaves and stuff and he's looking over the fence going what are you doing jim you go nothing and then when you drive that hovercraft out of the garage he's gonna be like i want to ride but if you told him you were taking you were making a hovercraft while he was watering watering his garden he would have been like the hovercraft you're crazy so <laughs> i just painted that whole scenario for the movie yeah, i had yeah. made that was you really sold, really it. sold it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you making? Well, um, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters while you guys figure out what to recommend. Uh, big thanks to everybody that helps us out on Patreon. We are grateful for you. Um, we started talking last week about a new poster or postcards. I think that's where we ended up that we're going to end up doing for Patreon supporters. So we're going to try to figure that out pretty soon, get that rolling. But if you want to get some limited edition postcards uh, that we all make, then you have to be a Patreon supporter. Order. And Oh, yeah. Are we going to make our postcards? Yeah, I think we should do that. That'd be awesome. Um, but we also do an after show, which is another show after this. Separate RSS feed, separate audio file, everything. It's a little looser and... Uh, sometimes there's secret stuff, sometimes there's not, sometimes it's just whatever. But, uh, that goes out to everybody on Patreon. But there's a top tier of people that help us out more than everybody else, and we're, we're, I want to shout them out. Um, big thanks to Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, Maker and Training, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, You Can Make This Too, Modern DIY, and Jenny and Davis. Thank you very much to them and to everybody else that helps us out at any level. Uh, we were really grateful and thankful in the Thanksgiving season, but we're thank- thankful for you guys all the time. I'll Don't go first. Ask. Sure. I'll go first. Tonight is the premiere. It's December 2nd at the moment. It, tonight is the, the premiere of Making It. So hopefully you guys just watched the last four days of Making It because they're going to play four days this week and then four days next week. And that's going to be the season. Of course, it'll be available on Hulu and every other place ongoing. But uh, I want to shout out a couple of the makers that are going to be on the show. Jessie Bearden, I just sent you guys her link to her Instagram. She's an amazing illustrator, and she works. She does really great professional work in the advertising industry. She illustrates people with food and objects. So she does a lot of editorial illustration, and she uses everyday objects and, and mostly food to draw people. 
and she's she's great. So she'll be on the show. You guys will get a chance to watch her if you hadn't already watched her this week. And uh, so each each for the next couple of weeks, I'll shout out each one of the guys from the show. So go check out Jesse Beard, and she's one like the 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 contestants on the show don't all have a big presence. I think Jesse has the biggest presence with thirty thousand Instagram followers, and I don't think she does YouTube. But go check out what she does. She's an incredible artist, and she's a great thinker, and she does incredible work on the show. So. If you have, if this week you got a chance to see that if you watched, so check out Jesse Bearden. Cool. So mine is if you make videos and you want to understand how to read your analytics or how to understand your audience, this is the best kept secret on YouTube. Uh, it's a channel called Little Monster, and it's this guy, Matt Gillen. He was, he's like a YouTube expert, and I've seen him speak a couple times. I think Bob has as well. Whenever he speaks at an event, it sells out, and you can't get into the room. Even at like VidCon, there was a couple times I wasn't able to see him speak. But he used to work for this other company, and they managed to... like tons of youtube channels so they have all this data to work with and he left and started his own company i may have recommended him before but i'm doing it again because it's 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 like it's the best kept secret on youtube his videos only get like a thousand two thousand views but they are packed full of just super super good information on understanding your audience and analytics and it's just it's so good it's so good cool yeah it is good stuff it's almost overwhelming actually it's he puts so much and he he talks very directly and he puts so much stuff in a little short video that it's just like get to the end of it like i i gotta go back and take notes and like i didn't get it all there's a couple of them i've gone back and watched again and again and um just because like like i think there's like one on thumbnails and and titles and I've watched it at least three times now and started to to take notes. And they're not, it's not like suggestions on what you to do. He's taken actual data that he's collected and he's given you, you're looking at graphs and charts and you're seeing the results of doing one thing uh, versus doing another thing. It's really, really good, deep stuff. And just to be clear, this is not the... Um, 1989 motion picture Little Monsters with Fred Savage. <laughs> Just want to be clear, because I looked it up on YouTube to get the link for the channel, and apparently you can watch that movie on YouTube. It <laughs> is not that movie. Which I might, and that might be my recommendation next week. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Um, so mine is, uh, you know, it's kind of a bummer. Our good buddy uh, Izzy Swan has had some health problems, uh, he's got some some back issues, but he put up a video, I think it was yesterday or day before or something, kind of an update. The good news is he has, um, I mean, you should watch the video just to support him, but he he has a, a doctor who thinks that he can really help Izzy get back on his feet and get rid of his back problems and stuff, which would be amazing for him. Um, and But mainly, I just want everybody to go give him a virtual hug. Izzy's a good dude and he's good dude. making some incredible dude. stuff always. Yeah. And he's just in, you know, I mean, we're all, we're all pretty fragile and unfortunately he's dealing with some physical stuff that is no fun. So, um, go give Izzy some love, watch his update so you can see what's going on with him and, you know, kind of support him over the next couple of months is hopefully he has some surgeries that get him back 
going at full speed. So speaking of um, tinkerers, anyway, he's he's the king of tinkering, oh, right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You see his Instagram story. I think it was yesterday where he's making a printing press. He was inspired by me. He's developing this printing press, and it's actually pretty. It's working pretty good at the moment. At least you know the physicality of it. He's wow. got to get his pressures and all that other stuff done once he gets some ink on it. But it's a pretty amazing object he came up with. Awesome. Um, I guess that's it. You guys got anything else? Nothing oh. for this show. No. Ooh. Maybe an after show. Show e stuff. Cool. All right. Well, I hope everybody had a an awesome Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Later. Right. Love you guys. Thank you. Bye. Love to tinker. Wait, what did I say before? I can only think clearly when I have a pile of junk around me. Is that what I said? Something to that effect. You can only focus when you're surrounded by a pile of junk. Something like that. That's it. Thank you. Yeah. Love you. <laughs>